You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Academy Award for the best podcast named Hidden Yardage on the Blog and the Boys podcast. Yeah. Oh, the Hidden Yardage podcast, hosted by uh, Sean Martin and Mark Lane. Oh, hey, if I knew we were if I knew we were doing an award show, I'd be recording in you know not sweatpants and a old you know t-shirt I fashioned my Josie days. But you know, yeah, exactly. You wouldn't have that um, Ben Affleck uh, attire going. But um, Will Levis, what what are your remarks? Hidden yards is everything. I mean, talk about it every week in our meetings. I forgot we had that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, you're listening to the Hidden Yardage podcast again. Blogging the boys podcast network. He's Sean Martin. I'm Mark Lane. And uh, Sean, we're also dealing with the effects of daylight savings time. How's it treating you? Have you caught up yet? Uh. Kind of, maybe all my clocks are messed up. You know, I have like, you know, a company vehicle and then my own car. I think the company one, I have to do a different thing to reset. And then I got to do my own car because I'm going down to, a, I'm taking that car to Houston on Wednesday, which more on that in a second. But, you know, and then I got everything around the house that has to be changed up. You know, the cell phone, of course, everybody relies on the cell phone for so much, including a clock. And that one updates automatically. So we're just going to, you know, of course, make sure everything is synced to the all-important phone and uh, just roll for changes here, as Oreo Speedwagon would say. But I know on the Houston trip, so I know we like to track these types of things here on the Hidden Yards podcast, such as the Cowboys being 2-0 and in Monday night games where we had Christy Scales on. And so I'm going down there for Houston Rodeo the night that Kenny Chesney is performing. And as our longtime listeners will know, I also got to see Chesney in Montana this past summer. And that was the weekend that Hidden Yardage featured your interview with Dak Prescott at his pro camp. So for those that like to track when good things happen in, in the show relative to you know what's going on in our personal lives, um, I'm sure something cool will happen on Hidden Yardage when we return after my Houston trip on Wednesday to go see Kenny. Oh yeah, there we go. Um, so I, that just really ups the ante for me. I got to go find a big name quarterback to interview on the podcast. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, well, we know we, we know Will Evans is. About yeah, it, that's so. right. Uh, well, what's funny? I think I said it last episode. Um, Daniel Jeremiah said that Will Levis, the comparable is to Dak Prescott. Um, so there you go. I guess maybe that'll qualify. But we've got daylight savings time. As you mentioned before we started recording the podcast, it was great when America was more agricultural than it is now. And there's a push to do away with daylight savings time because it's kind of antiquated. Are there any practices that the Dallas Cowboys have 
going right now as opposed when it comes to roster construction that are basically just as antiquated. Well, I would say a potential, you know, lack of creativity in free agency. I know in a minute here we'll talk about, you know, of course, the Jalen Ramsey news or, you know, call it non-news at this point since it's all dusted and settled and he's off to Miami where he wanted to go. And, of course, we can bring up his comments that he never wanted to go to the Cowboys anyway. So, you know, who knows how much of a Cowboys story this really should be. But it's the off season. We have to give it some attention and we will. But, you know, those types of things, like can you find a way to make the cap numbers make sense and can you not be you know bound by who you're currently paying, which is, of course, a whole slew of homegrown talent, which we do like to see. And that is how you build you know, the foundation of a successful roster and the fact that this team has won 12 games in back-to-back years shouldn't be too overstated or understated. It should be noted that, you know, they've done so with that homegrown talent and so they deserve some credit there. But what's going to take to get this team over the top? That's still the topic of conversation for yet another offseason. And, you know, the answer until they show that they're willing to do it again could very well be that creativity, like I said, in free agency, you're, you know, making an aggressive move up in the draft, which we haven't seen in quite some time as well. So those types of things are what can put a team over the top and they haven't found that answer yet. Yeah, I would say the antiquated thing that they do is they don't drive across the water when there's an opportunity to really go for it within a team's competitive window it's like they don't push all the chips to the center for example when you saw that that 2014 team with Romo just didn't have a pass rush they didn't really go out and address it by bringing in any big name pass rushers I mean they drafted Randy Gregory in the second round that was good uh you know they tried things out with Greg Hardy, but in terms of just an actual proven uh, uh, pay in retail uh, uh, solution, they didn't do it. And then you saw the same thing uh, in 2017. All they needed was a pass rush. And the answer is Taco Charlton. Dak Prescott needs weapons in 2018, so they cut Des Bryant and bring in uh, Deontay Thompson and almost had <laughs> Sammy Watkins and Alan Hearns and had to trade for Amari Cooper anyway. Man, those are some dark days, weren't they? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying is when it comes to the team being able to actually go for it, it's just like they're they they just stick to this mode of not wanting to upset the salary cap or mess with the team's compensatory formula. And I think that in today's NFL, when you see that the Eagles have gone to the Super Bowl twice with two different quarterbacks, two different head coaches, and Howie Roseman has said to heck with a salary cap in both eras. Um... You know, I think that that it that makes the Cowboys uh, look a little antiquated, like the daylight savings time. And the thing you said there, you know, it's so important to note that you know you mentioned just being a player or two away. The thing is, you know, they'll like you said they'll sell it as 
oh, we need the cap space or we need, you know, this, this and that contract is coming up and, you know, again, to fall back on the homegrown talent type of philosophy. But to get that one or two player, it doesn't necessarily need to wreck your cap space or your future draft, you know, compensation, any of those things. So, you know, the idea that they're justified in doing exactly as you described there isn't always the case. If you're, you know, multiple players away, then sure, you want to keep those resources and continue to build in the way they have, but then go for it when you have a chance. But all those seasons you mentioned when they did have a chance and one or two players seriously could have made a difference, you know, you're not necessarily giving up too much to go get that player. And of course, the reward is, you know, the ultimate trophy at the end, which you can go get when you make those types of moves. So it has aligned up to be that way. Of course, you mentioned the 2014 season, which, you know, only two plays really stand out for that Packers loss to Des Bryant Cats and the DeMarco Murray fumble. And that completely covered up the fact that most fans probably don't remember how bad the pass rush was and how much time Aaron Rodgers had in the pocket to pick you apart that game. So it could have been a different game in a number of ways, you know, if you had that. So they kind of got a free pass on that one because again, the Des Cats and the DeMarco fumble, but yeah, that was a glaring issue on a defense that really overperformed expectations that season. And, you know, now they're trying to get in the mindset this offseason of actually embracing being a defensive team because of Dan Quinn. And we'll see if they can do that while also fixing up some pretty glaring needs on offense, receiver, offensive line, you know, potentially running back. You still need help there. And it can't just all be allocated to Quinn's defense. All right. Well, I'm going to be like a grating city council member, and I'm going to uh, move items around on the agenda and I'm just going to go to topic B, which, you know, I mean, you kind of touched on it was Jalen Ramsey goes to the Miami Dolphins. Now it's not official until Wednesday. So maybe Dallas could swoop in and, you know, pull a DeAndre Jordan or something at the last minute on this. So it's not official till 3 p.m. Central time on March 15th, Wednesday, when it's the new league year. And so with Ramsey, he's going to the Dolphins, and all the Dolphins had to give up was basically a tight end that doesn't even play and a third-round pick. (laughs) I mean, do you think Dallas should have really been aggressive in acquiring Ramsey, given that's all that Miami had to give up? So my very initial reaction to this was probably in line with most Cowboys fans out there. And it was a very hard yes. You know, they should have been in on this. You can't believe that that's the price you can get Ramsey at. Why weren't they in on it? And then after a little bit of digging, I think it lined up more with, you know, you can understand the reasoning on why they won't do something like this. But yeah, the Rams get the 77th overall pick in this upcoming draft, which is a third rounder. Now the Cowboys have the 90th overall pick in the third round. So it's not, you know, an equal compensation type of thing where it comes to, oh, we could have just given up 90 and a backup tight end. Well, you know, 90 and 77 don't equate in that way. So really you're talking about their second round pick, which is valuable to see, you know, the Cowboys value those second round picks and expect to still get a starter. And, you know, I know they've taken some risks in the years where it's happened, but they don't get a starter, not the long-term player they're looking for. But, you know, this year, certainly the pressure will be there to get a good player in the second round. So they hold on to that pick. And then the Rams get, as you said, tight end Hunter Long, who has one career catch and it dates all the way back to the 2021 season. So really a no-name at this current stage of his career who goes to an offense that is, you know, going to have to find itself because they have no picks to 
allocate to it. They have Matt Stafford, and that's about it as far as building around what this Rams offense could be. Hard to see Hunter Long moving that needle, but I'm no cap space expert. I think we all know this, but let me just try to make this as clear as possible. The Cowboys, as we know, have about $14 million in cap space that they've been able to open up by clearing. It took clearing $30 million with the restructures of most notably Dak Prescott and Zach Martin to get there. They net about $14 million. Next two years of Jalen Ramsey's contract, which are fully guaranteed, $17 million cap hit going into 2023. Now, we should note Trayvon Diggs, only a $4.8 million cap hit, but the last year of his contract. So the Cowboys are trying to think ahead to locking up their own star corner, which is Diggs, of course. But if you combine the 17 mil to 4.8, you're in the range of 22 million. You take the 14 that they have, and that's when we all asked ourselves, oh, you know, can you creatively find a way to clean up 8 million and make that all-in type of move that we're not used to seeing? I think you can. So that that's where the initial reaction of, oh, 22 million to have both Diggs and Ramsey and Dan Quinn calling the shots and let's go for this thing. But in the year after 2024, when you're probably going to be going to be paying Diggs a pretty nice number, if we all expect him to continue his career here in Dallas, that's when Ramsey is owed 18.5 million. And so that just doesn't work with the Cowboys current cap situation. I do think, you know, I've mentioned this over and over again. I'm sounding like a broken record at this point, mostly on offense though. It's sifted over to defense. I do think that, you know, cornerback is a position that you can't completely punt on. You know, you need the depth, you need talent for sure. But I think what Dan Quinn has proven is that he can plug guys in and find success in there. You know, he's he's played hybrid safeties down at linebacker and he draws up coverages that still make it work. So as much as we'd love to see Diggs and Ramsey paired together, I'm going to choose to trust Dan Quinn to pair you know, any of these veterans or a draft pick or another free agent at a better price tag with Trayvon Diggs, get a somewhat similar type of outcome and then allocate those resources where the Cowboys really need it, which is defensive line potentially or wide receiver on the other side of the ball, offensive line, tight end, anywhere else besides corner, I think the Cowboys can, you know, rectify the situation by understanding that Ramsey just wasn't the ideal fit when it comes to the numbers, the contract, and of course the fact that he didn't really want to be in Dallas anyway. And he's publicly said that, you know, as long as the Joneses are here, he didn't want to be a part of this. So initially you'd love to have him, but you break it down just a little bit and it at least gives us a reason to pause, wait, for, wait to see what else the Cowboys are going to do in free agency. I know we're still probably going to circle right back and be disappointed, but let's, let's all pause, put this on hold, and see if they can get some receivers and some other positions that will help out here. And for me, when I looked at the Ramsey deal, it wasn't even so much a salary cap issue or anything. I didn't think that it would work for Dallas. And, and I got to – I mean, hey, that I think is really – good value for, you know, a third round pick and tight end Hunter Long, who played 55 special team snaps last year and 93 offensive snaps through nine games for the Dolphins. I think that's tremendous value. But just in terms of snaps, I just didn't see where it was going to come in and it would really be more of a progress stopping type of situation because you're taking away snaps from Nashawn Wright and Kelvin Martin, who have really got to show you something uh, this season. And so you can determine whether or not you want to give them 
an extension or just even think about it throughout the 2024 campaign. You also have Deron Bland. Um, so I just thought it would be too much of a progress-stopping scenario if Ramsey were a safety. Anything but Bland. Yeah. If he were playing safety, if he were a pass rusher, if he were a receiver, and someone of that all-pro caliber went for a third and a special teams blocking tight end. Yeah, I I, I think that that would be, uh, be the Joneses being very derelict. And if you lost a 49ers game because, you know, Brock Purdy threw the ball all over you and you were giving up huge plays through the air, then, yeah, same on them in that situation for not going and get Ramsey. But that wasn't the case again, you know. You lost to them two years ago now in the wild card round at home and you spent all offseason saying, oh, they ran the ball over us. we got to get tougher. We need better run defense. And, you know, that's a conversation for next week or another day as far as was the run defense totally fixed or not this year. There were spurts where it was and spurts where it sort of wasn't going back to last season under Quinn. So if they threw it all over you and you didn't go for Ramsey, sure, you know, we can come on here and bash them all we want. But that wasn't the case again. They they continued to find some success, some success running the ball, albeit not as much as, you know, the 200-plus yards that they put up on the ground at AT&T Stadium in their first playoff matchup. They ran the ball, they played defense, they were opportunistic, and, you know, they won a close game that way. So there's not many games you lost last season because, you know, teams are throwing the ball all over the yard on you. You know, Aaron Rodgers made some big plays down the field. That Packers game, but he still had a chance in it, of course. So that's why, you know, these resources could have been allocated elsewhere. We'd all have to see Ramsey paired with Trayvon Diggs. You know, you can even go all the way back to the 2016 draft where it was trying to pair Ramsey with a guy like Byron Jones, and that was the opportunity that really enticed Cowboys fans. So this has been floating around for a while. That While you've had talent in the secondary, you can really put it over the top with a guy like Jalen Ramsey, but Diggs is the guy that they hope to build around now. And along with that, you know, I do certainly like what you saw from Deron Bland and some of these other young players too, with another off season of work. Indeed. So that was a trade that was made a trade that a lot of pundits think every NFL team should make is sending two first round picks to the Baltimore Ravens for quarterback Lamar Jackson who received the non-exclusive franchise tag last week. Now, the thing with Lamar Jackson is Jackson and the Ravens are still able to negotiate until July 15th at 3 p.m. Central Time on a new contract. So that's basically the time that the Dallas Cowboys have to get ahead of the Ravens setting the the market for what a franchise quarterback goes for when they sign Lamar Jackson. Do you feel like the the Cowboys are under that same sort of pressure to get a deal done ahead of the Ravens? resetting the market? Well, I think the Jackson contract is going to be so interesting just because, you know, you're seeing it in the feedback that we're getting from the rest of the league and the way they don't want to approach, you know, bringing him in as their new starter and the resources that would take. And it's because he's so scheme specific that the Ravens have been the only team so far that have made that commitment to 
you know, bring in the, let's, you know, let's take the term Dak friendly, but just change it to Lamar friendly. They're the only team that have done that, and it's had success, and, you know, another team would then have to give up resources they could use to get Lamar friendly on offense just to get him in the building and then try to go from there and, you know, doing it with, without the resources. So that changes the outlook on, to me, how the Cowboys need to negotiate with Dak. You know, certainly, like I said, though, Dak friendly is still its own term and it's still something we hear. And, you know, there still is a certain type of player that fits what he needs to be successful on offense. And so the Cowboys have to keep in mind the structure of his deal, how it allows them to go get those types of players. But I do think they're closer than, you know, let's say the Ravens or any other team that would bring in Lamar Jackson to doing that. You could easily just take a receiver in the first round this year and feel a whole lot better and, or, trade for DeAndre Hopkins, you know, there's a lot of options that are still right there in front of their face to automatically, you know, in the snap of a finger, get a whole lot better around Dak Prescott and then still feel good about what you're paying him. So I don't know if it's exactly a comparable situation where you want to wait and see what Jackson gets, but certainly the rest of the league and all of its fans are just waiting to see what he gets because it is going to be interesting for a lot of those factors and it is going to, you know, reset the market in one way or another just because that's how the QB market works. And we can look at the fact that Daniel Jones of the Giants and Dak Prescott are currently making the same money to understand that. So that's about to change, of course, and that's what we're dealing with when it comes to Amar and the and this Ravens negotiation. Exactly. That's kind of like the – and almost in a way the devaluing – of a quarterback's contract throughout the life of it because Dak got his contract in the 2021 offseason and Daniel Jones is getting it two years later. And so it's just, you know, it it's doesn't really exactly, it, it's not as valuable, I don't think. I think Dak will definitely make more than he did in 2021. If I were the Cowboys, I would wait until 2024 and then start to get everything in line with Dak's contract. I would not get buffaloed by what's going on with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. I just wouldn't. I know he's the... He NFL MVP from 2019. I know you got to give up two first-round picks to take him and so forth. But he's also a guy that has not completed the last four games of a season for the past two years. So it's not like it's going to be so groundbreaking when the Ravens and Jackson finally agree to a new con. It may not even happen. They may let him play on the franchise tag for this season. Yeah, would it be the worst idea for them to, like you said, simply because of the injury pass to, you know, make him prove it in a variety of ways with the franchise tag. You know, not only that he can stay on the field, but, you know, Ozzie Newsom isn't a GM there anymore. They used to be such a renowned drafting team and just consistently, you know, built these great rosters because they were hitting on three, four or more starters every single draft, it seems. So that's not the case anymore. So it's going to take, you know, 
it's going to take hard work there to really understand like when their championship window is open. I think the Cowboys are going through the same thing in terms of they know they're close and they're trying to figure out when and how and if they can go for it. And the Ravens are doing that same thing. But where the Cowboys have the advantage is they already paid their quarterback and our understanding is cap in, at least at the moment. And the Ravens are trying to figure out what that number is where they can also you know go do not only what the Cowboys have done under Prescott, because like you've harped on, you know, hasn't quite been enough, but go do more than that. You can win games in a pretty tough division, of course, with Joe Burrow and the Bengals and some up-and-coming teams now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One of the areas where I think the Cowboys are going to have help for Dak Prescott is their offensive line, but kind of like with the cornerback situation, had they brought in Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know, it kind of looks a little crowded. It's kind of like a game of musical chairs. I don't know that uh, there's enough seats, but thankfully the Cowboys are keeping the music playing for Tyron Smith as they restructured his deal so what do you think the offensive line will look like with Tyron Smith coming back and also Terrence Steele and then you've already got Tyler Smith under contract man this one kind of don't want to say it threw me for a loop into like you know it's not like a difficult question but it really made me sit and think because at this current stage I mean I don't know I think you just like you wait till you know, as you call it, basketball and grass, those practices don't help you evaluate anything offensive line related. So, you know, saying wait till training camp feels like an eternity from now. But certainly, you know, I've hit on before that Tyron Smith is, you know, the type of veteran player that it feels uncomfortable to talk about as a fan, you know, the end of his career type of thing and potentially playing him off the bench or any of these types of things. You know, we all love the idea of Smith, you know, just being this franchise long-term starter that we hope he can still be if that's the case. So, you know, you want to say, just go ahead and throw him right back out at the starting left tackle job. But man, Tyler Smith was just so good there. The only question then becomes, you know, are you holding Tyler Smith back by not realizing his full potential as a left guard, which we only saw flashes of, but it was good. So I do want to, you know, I'm torn between wanting to see more of Smith at guard, but also more of what he was good at, at tackle. And so I think, at this current moment, you know, you keep Tyler Smith at left tackle, you keep Terrence Steele, who they've believed in for not only this offseason, but, you know, it's been a long time in the making as far as the Cowboys reading between the teal leaves of how much they believe in Terrence Steele, and that's still the case. So he's your right tackle. And, yeah, I think Tyron is that kind of rotational, you know, not quite a backup, but really a backup type player where you know you're never going to have the same five offensive linemen in, you know, every game for a 17-game season. And where this team wants to go is beyond just the regular season, of course. So the playoffs come around, you're going to need help up front in front of Dak Prescott. And that's when, of course, Tyron Smith can be of that help. Um, but I'm intrigued by Tyler Smith, our left guard. You know, the running back situation expects to be different. I still believe that Ezekiel Elliott is not going to be here. So you want continuity 
with who Tony Pollard is running behind. And, you know, I think moving Smith to guard can mess with that a little bit. So, yeah, I think you stick with uh, Tyler Smith right now as your left tackle, and that doesn't necessarily leave a spot for Tyron Smith to start many games at the start of the season, which could increase his value for later in the year when you inevitably go in the need of veteran presence like him. All right. I think that what you do is you have Tyler Smith at left tackle, Farney out, left guard, Biotic uh, center, Zach Martin at right guard, and then at right tackle, I think you say Tyron Smith because you're trying to evaluate just how far along Terrence Steele is with his rehab from that ACL injury. And I think that that was one of the motivating factors for the Cowboys to work with Tyron on this. Oh, and certainly the Cowboys didn't really earn much credit last year when it comes to evaluating any player off the ACL injury because we know they put so much faith in receiver Michael Gallup, who was never the same player at any point last year. And now the expectation is a full, healthy offseason for him will elevate that. You know, certainly I don't think many fans are going to fall for, oh, just an elevator. Michael Gallup is all we need. I hope, you know, the Cowboys seem to have learned their lesson and are going to do more receiver besides just throw out Gallup and Lamb. But, yeah, that does make you think about the Terrence Steele situation and whether or not he'll be that same player and can automatically be, you know, your right tackle. It's help keeping Dak Prescott upright. He is so good on those combo blocks out there with Zach Martin. But at the same time, you know, you put two veterans like Tyron Smith and Zach Martin there, and I think you'll see some great results as well. So that's a good problem to have when it comes to capable right tackles. It's just over on that left side. Certainly, they got to figure things out with Connor McGovern being a free agent. You mentioned Farniak sliding into that spot could be an option or re-signing McGovern to have that depth piece. If the price is right, You know that would be an intriguing option to me as well. All right, let me throw this out there for you. So let's say Dallas... Obviously, they're keeping Tyron Smith. And then Terrence Steele is progressing so well with the ACL, and he's doing great, and he's going to come back, and he's going to win that right tackle job. You say to just go ahead and put Tyron Smith as your rotational swing tackle, right? Basically, in some ways, I'm saying that he becomes last year's version of Jason Peters, which, you know, at, at this point in their career, they can be considered kind of similar players, right? So he's your Jason Peters. One of two things. What if right near the end of uh, training camp when you got to get to 53 men and Tyron Smith has an ailment that puts him on to IR. So then he starts the season on IR and you have a little flexibility that way. Or he's completely healthy. And you go ahead and trade him to a tackle-needy contender, someone that may have had uh, a situation like what happened to the Dallas Cowboys last year when Tyron Smith tore the hamstring off the bone and Jason Peters wasn't out there. So instead, Dallas trades Tyron Smith in a situation like that to a tackle-needy contender would you make that deal? Oh, for sure. You know, I think that's right in line with the whole topic we opened to so on of, you know, trying to see this team be more creative and do that type of thing where they can help themselves with a position group that they have the death at and using it to get better elsewhere. Yeah, that would be right in line with, you know, them finally showing some new age thinking, if you will, about how to handle this Tyrant Smith situation. I think, you know, that's kind of a 
fan-friendly move type two. I know a lot of these cuts the past couple of years have been kind of socking the fans, right? You know, we never expected to just see Des Bryant outright, outright cut or some of the players from last offseason, you know, Lyle Collins and then the Amari Cooper trade. All these things where you get used to big-name players and then they're gone, you know, that's, that's been new way of thinking, but in the wrong direction. So if you trade Tyron Smith, it's, you know, with the idea in mind, you're getting someone back and you're trading him to a contender, as you said, you know, I think the fans would, would go for that. And certainly the team would benefit from, at that point, you hope you see some good progress from, you know, let's say a Josh Ball or Matt Letzko, someone else that can step up to still give you the needed depth attack, tackle. So you're not completely thin there, but you have depth at the position and you have, you know, your compensation for Tyron Smith helping you at a different position group. I think what would be an ideal in this trade scenario for everyone involved would be if the Chiefs don't work something out with Orlando Brown this week and they're just plugging along with, um, you know, let's just say Torin Tucker, it's right tackle or wherever. And the NFL world just like, there's no way they're going to go into the regular season with Torin Tucker as their right tackle protecting Patrick Mahomes. There's just no way. But really, the Chiefs are making, are just monitoring the situation with the Cowboys and Terrence Steele and Tyron Smith. And if Terrence Steele recovers, takes the right tackle job, then there you go. There's their intended tackle all along in Tyron Smith, and they can get him, like I said, at the um, 53-man cut down. No one has to go through training camp or do any of that. And we're still at the kind of starry-eyed opening period for the agency about to get underway where, you know, a name like Orlando Brown made a slip through the cracks, but I'm glad you mentioned it because it caught my eye as well in terms of potential player that could be out there that would intrigue me and you know why fans are like I said still starry-eyed and caught on the big names and they were still hopeful up until today for a Jalen Ramsey trade you know now as we settle into it certainly we know that's the type of name that the Cowboys are much more accustomed to signing you know a veteran player that could be had at the right price so yeah certainly that's a good one to keep an eye on from the a Chiefs team that had to learn the hard way you know what it's like to select uh, on the offensive line in protection of a franchise quarterback. They lost that Super Bowl in embarrassing fashion to the Bucks. while Mahomes was, you know, tortured by a really good Tampa Bay defense all night. But to their credit, they learned, you know, quickly that they needed to fix it and went for it in one offseason. It wasn't, you know, the Cowboys method of, oh, we're just going to slowly, you know, get back to this. And, you know, right now they're currently going through, you know, let's call it a two-year fix at wide receiver. The Chiefs learned in the second, hey, this isn't, this isn't working and went and did everything they needed to give Mahomes protection. He needed to go beat Pat Mahomes, and now they have another trophy because of it. So, you know, that's a way that they can learn to move on from Orlando Brown in a way that can also help them elsewhere, but the Cowboys still need a player like him if they're not going to have Tyron Smith. So, like I said, certainly a name to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's a name to keep an eye on, and, it you know, it's it's part of that help that's out there. Let's say Dallas doesn't get their help at receiver in free agency, but instead they look to the 2023 NFL draft. Now, you've got 
some talented receivers in the first round, at least in the mocks as far as TCU's Quentin Johnston, USC's Mario Addison, and even Tennessee's Jalen Hyatt are concerned. Dallas is at number 26 overall in round one. If one of those guys is dropping, how far up are you willing to trade to go get that receiver help? So I got a bit scientific with this, if you will, and you know, I'm glad you mentioned those three names, Johnson, Addison, Hyatt. So I looked at five names, three, all three of those included, but also included Ohio State's Jackson, Smith and Zeba, and Zay Flowers out of Boston College. So mock draft consensus on these guys. There's a great resource out there where you can see where they're being mocked, what the consensus is, their highest and their lowest picks. Smith and Jiga, highest we're seeing him is Knife, which is, of course, now the Chicago Bears pick. They traded it, the first pick, to the Carolina Panthers. Panthers were scheduled to pick Knife. That pick flops to the Bears. So highest is helping Justin Fields in Chicago there for Smith and Jiga. Lowest is 32 to Kansas City, which you're about to notice is a theme here. The Chiefs being linked to all these receivers with the last pick of the first round. But the consensus on him, probably the most important thing, is 23rd to the Ravens. Quentin Johnson out of TCU, we're seeing him as high as 8th to the Tennessee Titans, or 26th to the Cowboys is what we're seeing as his lowest potential spot to fall to. But consensus is as high as 12th to the Houston Texans. Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee would be a much-needed dose of speed and athleticism on the outside for the Cowboys. He is an electrifying player on the outside for Tennessee, catching passes from Hendon Hooker, of course, we see him at 21 to the Chargers, as low as 31 to the Chiefs. Like I said, a theme there, and this consensus is right there in the middle of the round to the Chargers as well. Addison out of USC, as high as 12 to the Texans. Chiefs as well at 31. Consensus 25 to the Giants, which would certainly hurt the Cowboys to be one pick away from a player like Addison, see him go to a division rival in the Giants, and then Zay Flowers kind of all over the place. Consensus is falling, you know, out of the first round at times, but that was kind of before combine testing and his stock is settled into where we think he'll go, which is the back half of the first round. But he's also as high as 14 to the Patriots and 29 to the Saints. So with all of that, you look at other receiver needy teams ahead of the Cowboys, and I think my sweet spot to really go up and get your guy is 20 with Seattle. You, know, you want to get ahead of the Chargers, a team I just mentioned a couple of times, being linked to these receivers, the Ravens. I mentioned you know back in the old school days of always wanting to pick ahead of Ozzie Newsom. That's not the case anymore for the Ravens, but still, they draft good players, and it's always just nice to be picking ahead of teams that are consistently good drafting teams. So the Ravens, if they do sign Lamar Jackson long-term, what better way to endorse that than getting another receiver in here? You'd like to pick ahead of them if you're the Cowboys. Also needing a receiver, the Vikings would be behind you at that point if you get up to 20 with Seattle, and the Vikings just moved on from um, Adam Thielen, their longtime star receiver there. And then, of course, the Giants are currently one pick ahead of the Cowboys at 25, so anything you do would jump them. So I think the deal should be with Seattle at 20. You need 150 trade value points on the old Jimmy Johnson chart to get there, and have you know it, the Cowboys' 90th overall pick in the third round is worth 140 of those points. So you might be able to get it done with just that pick. I know right now the way we trust the Cowboys in the draft, 90 is an enticing pick. You don't all have the idea of having to give it up, but you do all have the idea of going and getting a Quentin Johnson and then also picking again at 58. So if you can pick at 20 and 58 and get one of these big-name receivers at 20, 
I think that's a pretty good start to your draft right there. And so that's where I would go um, if you can find a way to go trade with Pete Carroll and the good old Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and, and the thing with the mock drafts is they kind of represent a they represent possibilities based on where a team has gone in free agency. You know, um, so for some of these teams where, oh, yeah, they're drafting, uh, the Cowboys are drafting, you know, Bijan Robinson. Oh, well, really? Then that must mean Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott are both gone. You know, otherwise, why are they drafting them? Uh, Dallas is drafting, not that he'd ever fall this far, but uh, they're getting Peter Skaronsky. Oh, really? Well, I guess that they didn't work things out with Tyron Smith and Terrence Steele's really behind in his rehab, isn't he? Um, so when these receivers fall that far, you know, it, it just it represents kind of a look into the possibilities of where teams may have gone in free agency. And in a scenario like that, yeah. You would want Dallas to be able to jump up to about where Seattle is in a in a class where maybe there's you know that run on quarterbacks help push down some of the receivers. Yeah, I think right now it wouldn't be a surprise to see Smith and Ziga and Quentin Johnson be the first two names off the board. So you just have to really keep an eye on you know when that happens. I could see them being picked pretty close to each other and if it's in the top 10 then you're going to start sweating about who's going to still be there all the way by 26 if it's you know Smith and Jiga goes high but then Johnson is that you know 12th to 16th pick let's say well then you feel better about you know being able to wait it out and then get that second tier of a Jalen Hyatt or an Addison or a Zay Flowers and you know like I said I really like the idea of potentially getting Jalen Hyatt I don't know if I love trading up for him so you have to feel out if he's a guy who can make it all the way to 26, and that's going to be determined by where the other top receivers go, if it is in that top 10, or if, it, or if that's a position group that starts to slide while other teams go and get their quarterbacks or franchise tackles, what have you. You know, good kind of team-building type of draft without the true star power right now. Good class for edge rushers, though, and those always go high, so that's another position that could push receivers down. And, you know, you might have a guy like Hyatt or Addison fall in your lap at 26, but you're willing to take that risk at a position group that you really need for the second year in a row. I don't know if the Cowboys are or not, but certainly only trading up from 26 to 20, you don't have to give up all that much to really guarantee you're going to get a difference maker at receiver. Indeed. All right, Sean, let's get to the Cowboys' birthdays as we move through the agenda. So on Monday, L.P. Loudesur, the... Long time, long snapper for the Cowboys from 05 to 2020 turns 42 years old. Not many times in a NFL career can you mention a player being perfect. You know, that's more of a baseball term, right? We got the World Baseball Classic going on and spring training. So it's baseball favor. And, you know, perfect game is a baseball term. But because NFL, it's, you know, you're grading on such a curve for performance. But LP would do so. His whole career, had one job, snapped the ball correctly, never once had a bad snap. So quite literally a perfect career for the Cowboys long snapper, and that was always awesome to uh, you know, to see. So 
a cool stat there for a player who turns 42, and Cowboys fans should remember fondly. And then on Wednesday, Tavon Austin, the web back. Remember? Yeah, he was going to get 20-something touches a game, right? Oh, my gosh, yes. He was going to be the Tony Pollard before Tony Pollard <laughs> and the Lance Dunbar after Lance Dunbar. I mean, he was going to do it all. Um, but he was only with Dallas from 2018 to 2019. Oh, wonder. That was Tony Pollard's first year. But he turns 33 years old on Wednesday. Yeah, oh, Tavon Austin. That, that was it. That was the secret sauce to solve the receiving core of Deontay Thompson, Alan Earns, Terrence Williams, and Cole Beasley. Such dark times. You forget just how bad that receiver death chart was. But, man, certainly a wasted portion of Dak Prescott's career, which is unfortunate. So. I want a, I want a free agent receiver. We have free agent receivers at home. That's who they are. <laughs> All right, on Saturday, Travis Frederick turns uh, – 32 years old, he was born in Sharon, Wisconsin, played with Dallas 2013 to 2019, and the only first-team All-Pro center for the Cowboys. Sean, what is the only other position that has never had a first-team All-Pro from the Cowboys? First-team All-Pro, I want to say they have not had a first-team... All pro safety, even though probably not safety. Quarterback, quarterback. Okay. Believe it or not, no Cowboys quarterback has ever been voted first team All Pro. Did it just like not exist when Roger Starback was around? Or? Yeah, you know, it was oh Terry Bradshaw's doing well, or Fran Tarkenden, or you know, just other guys in the league. But same thing was going on with center until Travis Frederick. Broke the mold, finally, in 2016. So, uh, yeah, I, I that when I looked at the career of Travis Frederick with the Cowboys, for him to be a first-team All-Pro center for the team to, you know, get that one done, I mean, that's really the most notable thing of his Cowboys career to me. And those are your Cowboys' birthdays. Yeah, not enough good things you can quickly say here about Frederick, but, you know, certainly he was the anchor to an offensive line where he was quite literally surrounded by, you know, some of the best talent that's ever been assembled in one offensive line, you know, to his left, Tyron Smith out there at tackle, to his right, Zach Martin, and these great offensive lines. So he called all the protections, though, and the sides and all those types of things to make this offensive line every bit as good as it was. So just a great pro and was always great with the media and believe he was a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee along the way as well. So, you know, certainly a great Cowboys career that was cut short by injury, but, you know, his health being most important in terms of his long-term future and moving on from the game in a way that, you know, is, is a in a way that keeps him a good story, and he's done that. So not enough good things, like I said, to say about everything Travis Frederick meant to this organization. Definitely. He, he did mean a lot to the Cowboys. and. Now, free agency will begin this week, and also it'll be the new league year, which means I'm resetting the clock, and next week I, is season two, first oh, episode man. of Hidden Yardage, because that's how it's going to work from now on. After the new league year, the first episode after the new league year, that counts as the beginning of a new season for Hidden Yardage. And by the way, folks, 
uh, text your football friends and neighbors and everybody that loves the NFL on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Be sure to text them. Happy New Year. I will be in route to Houston if you text me uh, that. So I will certainly look forward to it once I finally get to NRG Stadium, which will be my first time there. So I'll report back on what it's like. But when I pull in, I will look forward to seeing that text then and hope we can make that a trend. But yeah, looking forward to season two. Um, that's going to be kind of cool to see, uh, you know, a two at the top of our rundowns. But so if this is the end of season one, it's been a whole lot of fun, man. And, uh, you know, let's keep this thing rolling right into season two. I can't go out without, well, well I can't go out, with, let me say, without mentioning Porco. I wasn't going to. So instead of that, though, I do want to mention one other Northeast related food thing, let's say Jesse Holly, who was in one of our Twitter spaces, right? Cowboy, you know, fan of the show and former Cowboys receiver. He tweeted out a picture, I think it was earlier today, at least I saw it today on Sunday, of the Tasty Cakes, butter, uh, Butterscotch, Crimpets. And he was like, Man, I miss so the only thing I miss about living in Jersey is these things. And it really tripped me up for a second because I was like, Wait a second. There's no way I haven't seen these elsewhere outside of Jersey. Like, I, yeah, I used to eat them there, but that's this can't just be a Jersey thing. Like, I just haven't looked for them, but they have to be in Texas or something, right? So I asked him, and he said it's only a Northeast thing, so not exclusively Jersey. But, yeah, you can't get them down here, apparently. So uh, I don't know if you ever had one, but, yeah, they're a great snack. They're great with some morning coffee, the butterscotch crimpin'. Um, I never knew that I sort of taken for granted the fact that they were available in my home state because they were, and apparently they're not here in Texas. Yeah, I'll have to get those when I go down the snack aisle at Wegmans. Okay, I'm gonna find him somewhere in Texas and send a picture to Jesse Holly just so he, you know, he make it makes this thing less crazy. But if I can't find him, that is crazy that you know this snack is only in the Northeast because they are really good. All right, I can't wait to see what toys we didn't get on Christmas next next week, Sean. Uh, you've been listening to the Hidden Yardage podcast. Follow Sean on Twitter at Sean Martin NFL. Follow me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. Subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. So there it is. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.